Phil, why do you think the cinema is dead? So this was a very personal statement that I made on my Facebook page. And Alex, the best way that I can approach this question is to approach it from a personal perspective and sure. how I arrived at that uh, decision. Sure. Um, so it all started because I've been making lots of video essays lately. Yes. And I have, I basically make a living making video essays. Yeah. And I have a deal where I produce roughly seven to eight or nine video essays a month for this company. And, uh, basically I've realized that movies are so accessible online sure. for, for free and in their entirety that I can download them fairly quickly. I can go right to the point of the film that I'm thinking of. Mm -hmm. I can, I can uh, edit that point out mm -hmm. and I can assemble a grander statement out of it. And the experience of watching a film has gotten so disposable for me that these films have almost lost uh, so much of their meaning to me because I can plunder them and then get exactly what I'm looking for and leave it behind. And not only are these films available to me without cost, but they're also available to me in a nonlinear way to the point where I can scrub, fast forward, get exactly to the point I'm looking for, get what I'm looking for and get out. I no longer even have to sit and watch the whole film. Sure. But do you find that to be as fulfilling an experience as watching the full film? I mean, cause you're talking about it's, using it for a very specific purpose and that's to edit together a video essay. And that is not how the vast majority of people, in fact, I would say nearly all people, except for those few people who are making video essays, experienced film, even if they're downloading it quickly or jumping around. You know, I mean, when with the advent of DVD, for instance, as an example, I would get copies of my favorite movies and I could immediately skip to that scene in the film and watch it that I, you know, that scene I really liked. So I would watch scenes in Aliens or Heat or, you know, whatever movie I was crazy about at that moment and experience that, but I don't think it fundamentally changed the watching of cinema for me. It didn't change my experience. I would still rather watch the whole thing, but I might just not have the time to at that moment, or I might just want to delve into that one scene. Sure. Yeah. And I know other people like David Lynch, they are very reticent to even include chapters on their DVDs or on their laser discs sure. when those were popular because they don't want people to do what you did and what I do all the time sure. to go right to that point that we want to see and watch only that part. Um, but because of the nature of my work now, and this is work that I really enjoy, by the way, I think it's great. Yeah. Um, but because of the nature of it and because of the nature of this podcast, I hardly ever, in fact, I, I almost never watch a movie for pleasure anymore. If I watch a movie, it's only for this podcast or for my job. But and because I'm, do you... I'm turning out, I'm turning out an average of two video essays per week. And very often those essays require, or they deal with sometimes half a dozen films. 
Sure. So that's a lot of film to watch, a lot of film to go through. Sure. Would you say then that perhaps it isn't the cinema being dead, but the fact that your commitments in your life are keeping you from enjoying the cinema in the way that you would like to or the way that perhaps you were meant to? Because I feel that way sometimes, too, because I have a very busy schedule. You know, I, I have my full-time job, then I do comedy as well, and I uh, have a girlfriend, and I have very little time left over for pleasure watching movies. And most most weeks, I end up just watching only the things that we have to watch for our podcast. So, yeah, in a, in a sense, I'm not watching for pleasure, but I still enjoy the experience of watching the films, and I still, when I do have the time... eagerly watch movies for pleasure Mm -hmm. well yeah and like i said at the beginning my experience colored my statement sure sure um as and i was also intentionally being provocative because i want stuff like this to happen sure but i think there are other external factors other than my own lifestyle that contribute to this opinion and it's not just my opinion uh i recently completed a video essay that is has yet to be launched uh called television in public mm-hmm. and this is an essay for fandor and fandor gave me an assignment and that's not something they do that often most of the videos i create are my own ideas but they gave me an assignment sure and they said uh uh baywatch is coming out and uh 21 jump street came out how about you do a video essay about tv shows that are made into movies mm-hmm and I was thinking, great, I would love to tackle this topic, uh, partly because it's an interesting idea, sure. and I love getting assignments. I absolutely love it. Um, and so I approached this video essay from a very specific angle based on remarks that Quentin Tarantino made at the Cannes Film Festival a few years back when he said that uh, digital projection of movies is basically like watching TV in public. And it was a very derisive analogy he made. Sure. He was he basically he concludes that little soundbite by saying that the cinema as he knows it is dead. Now, um, the fact that movies aren't being shot on film anymore, that's not new, but I still think that was a major blow against the cinema, against the, the beauty, the power, the endurance of cinema. Mm-hmm. I think that it got it definitely got one of its limbs hacked off mm-hmm. when um, digital be- became the the dominant format. And digital is great because it's cheaper, it's easier, it's clean, it's effective. And while I still love the look of film, uh, I can get behind digital filmmaking. Sure. Uh, but still, a little piece of cinema got lost. I think maybe a big piece got lost when uh, people abandoned 35 millimeter. And people like Tarantino and Paul Thomas Anderson tried to keep it alive with the Hateful Eight and the Master, trying to, to resurrect 70 millimeter and and analog filmmaking. Uh, but I think a little. I think part of cinema died when when the transition. I think it basically already happened. Yeah. But. Do you not see it simply as a change in medium? I mean, when color stock came around, a lot of people were bemoaning the same thing. 
they're saying, oh, the art of cinema is gone. Cinema has died because color yeah. color is so garish and gaudy and terrible. And it's not the and, cinema is black and white. That's what makes it cinema, right? And who wants to hear people talk? And who Nobody wants to hear, wants yeah. to hear yeah. talk? <laughs> it's the end of silent film. Yeah. So Okay, well, you make, you make a good point that this is a watershed moment. And things could change. Things could get amazing. And some things are amazing. Yeah. Um, but I... But at the same time, um, there's so much out there competing for our attention as consumers of moving image work. Sure. And if you go to the movie theater, like we do every week for this podcast, there's not much in the way of, com- of competition for your attention because you're there to see a film. If you go online to look up your favorite scene from heat. Yeah. Or if you go online to look up a video essay or for any reason, um, there's so much bombardment out there competing for your attention. Like you may not just get to watch your favorite scene from heat. You may get to watch 20 different video essays about that particular scene. And each video essay takes a different approach. Yeah. So it's like, do you want to experience the scene or do you want to experience somebody else's analysis of it? Yeah, but why are these things mutually exclusive would be my question. I don't, I don't see any reason that they have to uh, exclude one another, right? You mean like the, the cinema can still be alive and we can still enjoy these video essays about yeah. things? Yeah. I mean, um, you, you just did this, this video essay that I commented on that I really liked about Robbie Mueller. Um and and his cinematography and it's it's nice because it was a really nice uh there was a moment in it when there were the where people there were people walking from right to left and the camera was dollying along with them and you showed this sort of like repeated motif in these movies about Los Angeles that Robbie Muller had made these four different movies and like that to me is the sort of thing that uh enhances the viewing of the films that already exist. The next time I go back to watch one of those films and I will, because they're all really excellent films. Um, I, I w- that will have informed my experience of the film in the same way that if I read a really interesting essay about a film or if I, uh, you know, read a, a book on theory about a particular film or read an interview with a filmmaker about a particular film. When I return to that film, I'll have more information that will enhance my viewing of the film, but it doesn't mean that the film is dead you know it doesn't mean the cinema is dead you touched on some good things there definitely that <laughs> i think are are big big points i think we're about to catch some big fish here <laughs> well it's just not uh, you know I'm, I'm essentially my thing is that you your, your hypothesis or the way that you posit it in your status on facebook is that these things are replacing film and i don't see that i I see them living alongside film and that the cinema is not dead in any way but these things can coexist and and will coexist okay once again i want to reinforce my statement (laughs) it was it was a provocative yes yes i know i know okay now we all know that at one point knowledgeable critics scholars consumers said the theater was dead sure and yet Nevertheless, it Here persisted. Yeah. Uh, people said the same thing about the written novel, that it was dead. 
but it transformed. It changed. It it continued. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think the same thing is going to happen here. But um, but I think that really good movies like The Master, mm-hmm. which I think is maybe the best movie of the millennium so far. Mm-hmm. I'm making a video essay about it. Very nice. But, I'm uh, excited. The Master, um, a lot of the work that Quentin Tarantino has done, those those are films that kind of remix other movies. Um, and, you know, certain filmmakers have copied shots from the beginning of, of the medium. You know, like there's there's filmmakers who have imitated other filmmakers uh, ad nauseum. But what Tarantino does and what... Uh, Paul Thomas Anderson does in the master is a little bit different because they reference existing films. Sure. And they, um, they imitate them, but they don't imitate them in a way that kind of, um, you know, captures their essence or, or makes them irrelevant. They imitate them and they make these references in a way that if you were to go back and watch those movies that they're referencing, you would not only have, a rich understanding of those movies, but you would understand the the new film even better. Like yeah. you would understand the Tarantino film better. You would understand the Master better. Sure. Like the Master, um, the Master, I think cannot really be fully comprehended unless you watch Let There Be Light, which is John Huston's documentary about World War II soldiers coming back who who had psychiatric trauma. Uh, and Paul Thomas Anderson freely talked about how Let There Be Light influenced the master and he said yeah i i was stealing from that movie left right and center um you know stealing is kind of like a fun way to put it but like watching let there be light if you love the master and you've seen it many times you get so much more from that movie when you see what paul thomas anderson is remixing what he's borrowing what he's stealing sure and it's like I feel like I'm I'm borrowing and I'm stealing every time I make a video essay, um, and and therefore yeah you can watch those four Robbie Mueller movies like you did, and 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 love them and get something out of them, um, and then the video itself is 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 good too I think, but um, I think what it boils down to is I feel like attention spans and patience are not what they used to be. Sure. And it's not just me speaking. I think this is a I think this is a sea change among a lot of people that their their patience is not the same. And you've got people watching 2001 a Space Odyssey on their phones. Sure. I mean, um the 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 sacredness of watching a film is not the same thing anymore. Uh people are people are staying home rather than going to the movies because they think, "Oh, I'll watch this when I when I can watch it on my TV." Like, like, I mean, Tarantino was talking about when he made The Hateful Eight that uh, when when roadshow prints were released in the 60s, when 70 millimeter was big, going to the theater was an event. You would get dressed up. There would be an overture. There would be an intermission. You know, there would be a program. And he was really admirably trying to bring all that stuff back when he made The Hateful Eight. But it's. I don't see it coming back. I think that kind no, of it's, experience is, is gone. I agree with you. I don't think that any of those experiences are ever coming back. 
Um, and I do think that there there's a sea change in the way that people watch films. Um, but there's there's only a certain amount, like the, the whole thing about um, the uh, attention spans being different. Yeah, I think that that's the case. And I think people, that's the reason people look at their phones when they go to the movie theater and stuff like that. It's because they can't stay with one thing for an extended period of time. But simultaneously, they'll go home and they'll watch 13 hours straight of a new Netflix series, right? Literally 13 yeah, hours straight without stopping. So it's not that their attention spans have necessarily dwindled. It's just that they're choosing to spend it in different ways and on different things. Um, so, you know, it, it's, it's a tough line to walk to determine, you know, correlation and causation and, and all of that fun stuff, right? Well, the statement that I made on, on Facebook was that uh, content has replaced cinema. Yeah, and I, hate I was that term I was so looking much, I, I was looking for a, a really concise term to describe what the cinema meant to me. And I I don't think content is the right term and a couple of people have really expressed their disdain for that term. But the thing is like TV is really fucking good now. TV is great. Sure. I mean, so much TV is is more groundbreaking than what you would see at the movie theater. So how do you encompass that artistry and still talk about being a filmmaker? How can like what what is how would you describe all that that's going on? Cuz there are still good movies being made, but they're not on TV. And there's still good TV shows that aren't being released in theaters and they're not movies. But I feel like that kind of invention and, and skill at telling, moving, at telling stories using moving images, uh, I was thinking like, well, well, what is it now? And what is a movie anyway? What is a film? They're not shot on film anymore. Can you still call it a film? Yeah. I think, I think it's a really, we're in a really nebulous area right now if you're a filmmaker in particular because movies are changing and... I eventually want to throw my hat in and make movies. I want to make a, like a two hour experience that people watch, preferably in a theater. Uh, that's, that's why I went to film school. That's what I've wanted to do since I was a kid, but it's, it's changed so much in, since I was a kid that I don't really know what it is. And I think just to say that you want to make movies and to make movies in the vein that they are now, I think it's becoming passe. I think it's no longer cutting edge. Huh? Maybe. Maybe. I, I don't know that... I mean, like, I think it's just an ebb and a flow. I think that mm -hmm. when, when they manage to figure it out, the people will go back to the movies. But, I mean, right now, a movie is so expensive to go to, it it doesn't make a whole lot of sense for people to even do it. You know, here in, in New ridiculous. York, it's $17 for just a normal movie ticket here in New York. And... Yeah. It only goes up from there. If you want to watch it in 3D, it's more than that. If you want to watch it in RPX or Dolby Atmos, it's more than that. If you want to watch it in IMAX, it's even more than that. You're talking like $25, $30 a ticket. The, the price of one movie ticket to see one movie is more than a month subscription to Netflix. Yeah, by, by multiple times over. <laughs> so it, the choice is obvious, right? Stay home oh, and yeah. watch. You have a selection of hundreds of movies to choose from. Yeah, right. and that's and that's and you know, in a time when when the average American has less and less money to spend, it, it's an easy decision. I mean, I'm I'm one of the nerds who gets a movie pass and goes out there and sees movies every week, but I'm in the gross minority, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, 
I took my wife to see Snatched, okay, oh, yeah. for this podcast, and I thought it would be fun. Uh, it was kind of fun, but it also <laughs> the whole experience cost me forty dollars. Yeah, I mean that's insane for what I got for forty dollars. It yeah. was not it was not an equal exchange. No, no, and it used to be that uh, movies were more affordable. You know, I mean, so many things used to be more affordable, and I hate to sound like an old fuddy-duddy, but that's. Um, it's it's an interesting it's a very interesting place where we are because i don't i don't know how it's going to change because i don't think that you know the the movie theaters are only getting fancier and offering more deluxe kind of accommodations and experiences in order to try and be, get people through the doors i mean they've drastically reduced the numbers of seats in most of the new york theaters in the hopes of getting people in because they've replaced all of the normal seats with these big, huge, nice recliners, you know. So there's like, yeah, I, I don't think that uh, that assigned seating thing is gonna is gonna work. Oh, it's everywhere I, in New York. It's almost every theater in New York. But it's so it's so problematic. I feel. I like it <laughs> because I don't like uh, you know I like to be able to to take the seat that I want and then you know not have somebody take it from me, you know. Well, if I, I sometimes you really seat. have to fight for it, though, which is kind of annoying. Yeah, I don't mind. I'll do it. But the thing is, like, cinema is dead. Also, when I say cinema, like, I really am referring to the to to movies in theaters, the movie going experience, and um, those recliners are comfortable. They are, and I guess it's not really that big a deal if you have to tell somebody to get out of your seat. Sure. Um, but. Uh, but the thing is, like, uh, people who, who go to movies, I feel like they're not really, many of them aren't really up on movie history. They're not up on the history of the cinema. Sure. And uh, the thing that seems to draw people to, to the actual theater, gets them off their ass, out of their, off their couches and into the theater, is 3D, IMAX, Real 3D, sure. All that stuff, all those all those experiences that are germane to the theater and only the theater. That is why people go to the movies. Some people, like uh, they associate the theater with all that stuff that you can't really get at home. Yeah. Whereas a great movie, period, should just be experienced in the theater. It's going to be better. Uh, any great movie would be better in the theater. I feel even a talky Woody Allen film would be good in the theater. Mm -hmm. It would be great in the theater. Mm -hmm. uh, but I feel like too often movies are becoming associated with Marvel, uh, to a lesser extent, DC comics. Yeah. And, and the experience of 3d. Um, yeah. But is that like, I mean, that's not the cinema dying. That's the, I mean, that's us killing the cinema. If anything, it's not like, I don't think the art arguing. form has, has, failed or even continues to fail. I think that there are people who continue to do really great work. I just, you know, it's just not being seen by as many people as it used to be, or, or in some ways it's being seen by more because of the aforementioned services that are available to people so they can stream stuff. It's just not in the theaters that people are seeing it necessarily. Yeah. And I'm saying cinema is a theatrical based experience. Content is what I would call what's online content video essays what i do yeah that's 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 online based stuff sure and that stuff is is thriving 
I, I make no bones about it. Yeah. But the experience of going to the theater and experiencing a great movie, something cinematic, it is, I mean, you yourself said that we're killing it. You posited that statement that we're killing it. We meaning the consumers, the public, the industry. Sure. Uh, we're forcibly killing it. I wouldn't disagree with that. Nevertheless, whatever's happening, whoever's doing it to it, it's still happening. I think movies are just fading away. And um, it's, I think it's just kind of a fact of life. Like when, when the film Bratz came about in the 60s, like Scorsese himself has said he was in love with the golden age of Hollywood. Sure. He, he loved the, the, the studio pictures, the musicals, the grandeur of it all. He loved that stuff. But when he started making movies in the late 60s, that period had died. And it was the start of something new. And he and many other filmmakers made it really great. And I think that, I think it'll be great again, uh, but it's just gonna be different. And I don't know, of course, when Scorsese was making movies, there was no VHS, there was no VCR, there was no internet, there was no way to see these movies unless you went to the theater. But now, movies are so dispensable, you can see any movie for free at the touch of a button. Yeah, and something new has to come out of this because movies have gotten to be so—they're not sacred anymore. They're just so uh, there's just there's just a, gl- a glut of content. Yeah, out but there. don't you feel like that's this, the the case with everything? Don't you feel like we've entered this age where nothing is sacred, nothing is revered, nothing is nobody takes their time with anything properly? Music, food, anything. I feel like everybody just everybody rushes through everything and. It is what it is. I think you're making a good point, and I think the internet has a lot to do with that because oh, the yeah. internet spreads spreads everything so widely and so easily. Um, so what's sacred? Yeah, well, it's a good question. What is sacred now? Uh, I guess it depends on on who you are. As as a nation, as a culture, what's sacred? Uh, Twitter? I don't know. <laughs> I don't even feel... No, that's... I mean, that's the ultimate disposable thing, right? I mean, that's the... But, but ironically, I feel like that's... Social I mean, media is kind of what people really flock to these days. I think they treat it with a level of seriousness it doesn't necessarily deserve. When you watch news broadcasts and they're quoting random people on Twitter as part of their stories, I mean, that's... I mean, that's sunk pretty low, isn't it? That's pretty... Yeah, it's not very credible, but... It has the credibility of it is that it's considered to be the voice of the people. It's the democracy of social media. It, everybody has a voice. It's democracy. But, uh, but that's kind of. But democracy works they, for governments. It it does not work for artistic endeavors. I feel like. Well, I think art benefits with from limitations. Definitely. Um, you know, that's a quote. Orson Welles said something similar to that. That you know, good art cannot exist without limitations. And I totally agree with that. Yeah. Uh, but like, even if not everybody uses their voice in social media, I think people still want it to be there. You know, like sure. Uh, people, people. Not everyone's going to get rich, but everybody wants to have the possibility of getting rich. Sure. Uh, everybody wants. Nobody. Everybody wants to have. Okay, I don't want to get too lofty here, but a lot of people <laughs> uh, want to support a capitalistic society. And they want to support Donald Trump because he represents getting rich. Sure. And, but um, 
but not everybody's going to do that. But people want to know that that's an option. Uh, but uh, yeah, but that's kind of unrelated. Um, I don't know. I think yeah, I just think that uh, I think it pays to have kind of a ruthless opinion about this kind of stuff because because it's going to keep things moving forward. It's going to keep things uh, exciting, and um, it's. It, I do think that I have a ruthless opinion about movies because I really do care. Yeah, and I know I know that you care too, um, but at the same time, like I really care about not just the the consumption of movies, but the making of them. And cause that's something that I, it's my life's ambition. And I really think that, uh, things are different and they're changing. And the cinema is a nostalgic term. And it's, I, I, I love movies that are cinematic, but it's not, it's not what the future of, of movies. It's not what I would call the future of movies. Interesting. Or the future of, of storytelling. Interesting. Um, I think we can leave it there. I think that that's a good <laughs> place to to maybe call it. Uh, but I, 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 certainly a, a conversation that can continue into the future. Um, mm-hmm. Because, it, you know, I mean, I, I would make the argument even, and perhaps this is for another conversation, that... Uh, the re- the reason for the success of television is that it has become more cinematic, not that it has gone the other way around. So um, in your conversation on your wall, you were saying, you know, David Lynch views Twin Peaks as his final film, his 18-hour film, right? Well, there's something to be said for that, right? Is that he is using cinematic conventions and cinematic strategies and the art of the cinema in order to tell his story. It just happens to be on a television show. I actually disagree with you. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think uh, the 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 fundamental aspect of the cinema is that it's experienced on a giant screen. It's an immersive experience that you can't look away from. And television is not at that point right now. It's still on a smaller screen, a much smaller screen. It's not an overwhelming experience. You could say that it's that TV is now cinematic because the writing is so good. The writing is adventurous, but uh, nothing compares to the experience of seeing a movie on the big screen. That's to me is, is truly cinematic. Sure. Sure. Well, as I said, we can continue this at some other time. It's a good conversation. Okay. Um, but we got more podcasts to do. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So um, let's, let's do but that. Thank you. Thank you for, for talking about this with me because I think it's important. Yeah, I do too. And, uh, and uh, maybe we'll release this out to the public. It's a good conversation. Get some people to weigh in. Uh, Yeah, thanks, Phil. It's fun. It's been fun. Yeah.